join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. How's the bacon, did you say? From the Men in Blazers studios in the crap part of Bedford, New York, and the crap part of Tribeca, New York, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. We're back like Rory McElroy, <laughs> and what a weird time it is to be alive in a proper parallel universe. The 22 World Cup would be upon us now. We'll be swimming in football wonder. And if FIFA wasn't such a corrupt bunch of mafia bandits hell-bent on renting apartments for cats... It would have kicked off in Dallas or Los Angeles, Dave. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine FIFA not being a corrupt bunch of bandits. I'm, I'm sorry, my mind, I'm a very imaginative person, but my mind can't stretch that far. I know, it's it's surreal. All of it is surreal. But God, 2022 World Cup should be on these shores. We should be walking out onto the streets of New York City and just seeing drunk Slovenians sleeping in <laughs> Times Square alongside Scousers here to watch England play at the Met Stadium. Instead, we've got a gov ball yeah. and a nation burning up. We have a low-grade case of Nations League fever, which is to football tournaments... Essentially what my pillow is to pillows. And I do want to start off up top by thanking you all, dear GFOPs, for your lovely, 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 lovely messages. So many of you have written to me after the arrival of Val and Ivan, my mum and dad, who oh. finally, finally, after so many bloody COVID-related cancelled trips, so many nearlies, so many, oh my God, coincidences, ironies, like when we all flew over to England to see them in London and they found out on the trip up that they tested positive and had to turn right round and we hung out without them for a week. They landed Friday night for the first time in America, first time seeing my wife and sons in nearly three years. It's bloody magic, David. Oh, fantastic, Roger. Very happy for you. Please send my best to Val and Iva. You know, I'm very fond of them. Uh, I know from your messages, dear GFOPs, that a lot of you 
have suffered from fractured families and worse. A number of years, God, some of the most heartbreaking emails um, we've had are from people who've lost parents through these years of COVID. And also in its own way in agony, a number of you have just had kids and written to us about how your own parents and new grandparents who've not been able to see their new grandchildren, Australian listeners who've not been able to see their families at all. I feel your pain. I send you love. And as I say, this weekend has felt like a, a heavy weight, which has been lodged in my chest, near my heart, and it's just been freed. And it is magic. It took my dad an hour of just incredible joy, just seeing how big my bloody kids have grown before he sat down with my second son, Bear, and said... Very worried about Everton next season. Not a pot to piss in. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. It was so bloody wonderful to hear him moan about Everton again in person, Dave. I can't even tell you. But we've got to talk up top about live golf. I didn't know whether is it like is it Roman numeral golf? Is it is it L one four? I didn't L I V. I didn't even know. But whatever it is, it is a. It's not golf. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the new sport. Live golf. It's I, live. Yeah, which is kind of ironic because the whole thing is about covering up something that's not living at all in Khashoggi. And I talked about my feelings on Friday's WGFOP podcast. How watching golf eat itself and become complicit in state-sanctioned darkness is so bloody stark, so craven, so despicable, so reckless. But it also makes me think about the football, Dave, not just the Super League, but like the ownership of, of Newcastle and the sports washing. It's so much more visible when it's stink cloaks in other sport, man. I mean, look, there are some differences. You know, all weekend, people have been texting me for my thoughts and saying, you know, you know, what do you think about this? Like, how is it? Isn't this just the same as Qatar? Isn't this just the same as Newcastle United? It is a little bit different when you have a state-sponsored entire league that not operating any free market that is taking players away from a a league that one assumes operates in some kind of a, a league market, the PGA Tour, and just the whole thing is funded by blood money. It's, well, oil money, sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. And it just feels weird. It feels like a step even further than the Super League, a step even further than the ownership of Newcastle United, a step even further, but maybe not than the Qatar World Cup. That seems to be the closest closest comparison. Oh, the reality is, this is what I've realised, is that the game we love, football, has had these forces warping it in different ways for the last 20 years. And it, it just seems more shocking, more obvious, watching it occur suddenly, just wholesale in another sport, rather than gradually and ominously over time. And you know, the, the, the other th element of it is sports watchers were invited into football legitimately. And watching those golfers squirm under journalist questions about murder, Khashoggi, their role in sports washing the whole thing. You know, we're merely seeing the same as the football owners and Eddie Howe squirmer. We didn't really squirm. He just dead batted pathetically and, and talked about how we wanted to talk about the football. But really, we're seeing the same human impulse to put money, to put power over all else and just hope everyone else will go along with them to cover up the moral complicity. Yeah, but the only thing I would say is I totally agree with all of that. And yet somebody had to come in and own Newcastle United. We didn't want to see Newcastle United for their fans go under. We didn't want that team to be out of business. We wanted to see Newcastle thrive. 
We wanted to see them under different ownership. We wanted to see them thrive, but we want to see them continue to play. There was a need, I would say, there is a need for Newcastle United to play football. There is absolutely no need for live golf or whatever it is. There's no need for it. These players don't need any more money. They're already multi, 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 multi millionaires. There's already a really successful pathway. There's already a really successful tour. There was just no need for it. That's what feels so absurd about this whole situation. Absurd, surreal, humanly dark. And by the way, I said this on Friday in terms of Qatar and the US men's national team. Our US players, who should be said, spoke up admirably on the issues of gun control last week. Yeah. They qualify for the World Cup on March the 30th, which I think is 75 days ago. And I don't know when. They're going to make their position clear on the human rights violation around Qatar, the workers' deaths that the Qataris are hoping to cover up in the act of being hosts. But there is a moment, there has to be a moment, when the players should be stepping up, the federation should be stepping up and making it known what their position is on that. Yeah, and that applies to all of us, including in the media, which I do air quotes for with us but it's it has to be all of us we've all got to make our positions known and we've got to continue to because you know the only thing that live golf does as you suggested is it just it it puts even more of a spotlight in the corruption across football it doesn't doesn't think oh this is great for football because somebody else is doing it as well now it makes it look even worse god you know what is amazing about football um and wasn't about the golf because the golf was eerie and weird and almost airless but there is something about us as football fans, and I worked on a project this week about the Super League, um, which reminded because I had to relive the, the really the trauma of that ridiculous, surreal, poof, just utterly searing 48 hours. And we watch all of this for emotional reasons. You know, we watch it for. Lionel Messi's transcendence who watch sport for you know, Rose Lavelle and her magic we look at it for Kevin De Bruyne uh, crossfield ball that just bisects five defenders helplessly and with it with the blink of an eye and a avant-garde sense of time and space that only Picasso could really match and the second that occurs we forget all the rational darkness that lies behind it and that that's really genuinely the human impulse that's allowed football to just have this awful toxic reality seep into it but you know, reliving the Super League and that, that moment when it felt like the fans had regained control Manchester United was going to be free of the Glazers they have to sell now we can't get and then the Glazers turn around and be like behold Ronaldo's back and we're all immediately like children Yay! just like hey <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that that impulse I mean John Oliver said it on um on a special at the end of year, Rog, that, you know, he feels awful about the Qatari situation. He feels it's disgusting. It's immoral. It's everything is wrong about it. He feels that he shouldn't watch, but he knows that when the World Cup starts, you've got these amazing players. You've got this amazing history of this tournament and there are going to be these amazing moments and he's just not going to be able to stop himself from watching. With yay! Live Golf. Yay! <laughs> but with Live Golf, the golf is not yay. It's like, uh, it's just... It's just terrible. It's just awful. There's no point. It's 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 like sports washing with no sport. It's just washing. That's all it is. It's just washing. And I do think we have to mention that it is more than bizarre to hear Arlo White's voice on it. Somebody who we've, you know, listened, cover the Premier League and suddenly hearing his voice on it. It's just all surreal and odd. 
Come back, Arlo. Come back to the force of good. Come back to a world where you can tweet out without having to put no replies on your tweets. It is a awful, 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 awful reality. And God, I will say across the board, we are seeing just darkness, a darkness of humanity. Rog, before we kick things off today, a few pieces of news from MIB World HQ. Da, da, da. We're going to do it live at a special day and time this week. It goes down after the Baby Eagles and take on special, El Salvador. By special time, we mean slightly <laughs> insane. That's after the Baby Eagles take on El Salvador late, late on Tuesday night. We'll be on Spotify live at the final whistle right around oh, midnight <laughs> Eastern. <laughs> Interesting. Please make sure and join us then, GFOPs for a special MIB after dark edition of Do It Live. I cannot promise the condition I'm going to be in at midnight, Rog. Um, I can. If it's any uh, <laughs> anything resembling what happened on Friday night, I'll yeah. be passed out with a bit of slobber and a little bit of drool dropping down, having my daughter wake me up and be like, Dad, football's still on. <laughs> but we can't wait to wildly overreact to each of the wild overreactions yeah. surrounding the wild overreaction-filled game. Good or bad, we don't discriminate. No, and talking of the US men's national team, we should say the latest episode of your Tyler Adams Road to the Cup podcast, powered by Volkswagen, is up right now on this very pod feed. Make sure to check that out. And you'll be taping with Tyler again in the wake of the Nations League matches. GFOPs, call in your own questions for Tyler at 646-450-9472. That's 646-450-9472. Call that number, ask Tyler a question, and you could hear your voice on the pod. Until then, can we get a twist? Yeah, oh, yeah, by the way, we got to get we get questions for Tyler called in all days all hours of the day it's a great one that came in this uh, yesterday which about is like, plumbing yeah. it was like yeah yeah genuinely Tyler I've got a, a blockage in my toilet should I send a snake <laughs> down I know it, it was it was just like Tyler what's your idea for perfect day I just thought what a beautiful question that GFOP took that took that moment to think what is Tyler Adams perfect day I cannot wait to ask that and more but before we do a toast, I want to do a pre-toast to our theatre producer, John Johnson, hard JJ. at work on our World Cup tour. Uh, and he took a break from, from that World Cup tour, only to raise a bloody Tony, the best Tony since Hibbert, as one of the producers of the Great Lehman Trilogy. Amazing, Dave, out yeah. to see that last night. Oh, my God. And what a piece of theatre Lehman Trilogy is as well. Wow. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen it, go and see it. It's a enormous opus delving deep into the life and work of Jens Lehman. It's really a magical. <laughs> no, it's not. no, no, magical. no, it's not about that. It's about the Lehman Brothers, Rog. Their entire yeah. story from Oxford, yeah. Mississippi, all the way to New York. And oh, wow, what a story. And Jens Lehman. But John, <laughs> many of you have met him, John Johnson, a massive wonder, huge, huge Chelsea fan who, in pre pandemic years, actually, we met him in the most surreal way. He got tickets to Andy Cohen's television show just so he could break into the Men in Blazers panic room and take a photo of himself. At our pod table, you know the story, old GFOPs. We saw the photo on social. We were like, who the hell is this person? Uh, this was the, really the early days of Men in Blazers, early days of podcasting, when it wasn't really ever clear if our microphones were actually plugged in or not. And we didn't really care whether we were talking to ourselves or not. We are just savouring every second. But John Johnson has gone on to become a multiple Tony Award winner who sullies himself with our crap planning our live events, our live tours, 
And I just say the pandemic wreaked havoc on Broadway. So it is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful to see that soul soar again. And the entire industry, it fills me with joy. Godspeed, John Johnson, you mighty king. Right, David? Yeah, congratulations. Amazing. Very prestigious award. Well done. Okay, Roger, now on to the uh, From the Pre-Toast to the Real Toast. I want to raise this third first bud of the day, which if in pre-toast terms, you've got to do the math. That's This is the third first bud of the day squared to two incredible women's players. One established, one who took an important first step on a future of wonder yesterday. First is our friend Sam Kerr of Chelsea in Australia, who was voted the Professional Footballers Association's Player of the Year this weekend after a 20 goals in 20 games title-winning season. What a footballer. And I truly believe a striker who is only just beginning to show the world what she can do. And the same can be said, but in a rawer, first-step kind of way for Olivia Moultrie. The Portland Thorn from Wilsonville, Oregon, who last night made history by becoming the youngest goal scorer in National Women's Soccer League history, scoring in the 74th minute of some Houston Dash slop. Third goal in a 4-0 route, Moultrie, just 16 years, 8 months, 3 weeks and 6 days old, smashed the record, held by El Carpenter, who was a shade over 18. What I loved about a goal was that she barely celebrated a brief skip, then giving congratulations to Sophia Smith, who created the turnover to set her up, the sign of a young phenom who intends her goal to be the first of many, many more. Men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football. Unless Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Tappity taps, mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less. thing I love about prize picks is, is how simple it is to use. They're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season. No more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. You're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. U.S. men's national team five. Grenada nil. The baby eagles hang five on one of CONCACAF's JV squads. The big news. (laughs) Grenada. The big news in this one for your medical school and whatever else you've had. Your spices. The big news in this one, a US men's national team striker actually scored not just one goal, Rog, but four. FC Dallas's Jesus Ferreira repaid Papa Greg for his continued faith in him, tallying four times against the Spice Boys. And he could have had a fair few more. Paul Ariola scored the other goal as the US winning. Convincing, but expected fashion in a game in which, well, Greg's shoes were one of the major talking points. 
We smashed those spice boys. The United States final game on home turf before the November World Cup was, and this is no fault of US soccer. It was an odd bird, a damp squib, played out late night in the shadows of the NBA finals against a minnow of a team that had college players in the squad. Essentially, it was the kind of challenge Premier League teams face when they are drawn an FA Cup third round game, Davo where you play against non-league opponents, you kind of have to win, but you don't really celebrate the whole process. You kind of just move on, right? Yeah. Look, I would say that US soccer, one would imagine, has some influence in CONCACAF and the way in which the Nations League in this hemisphere has been organised, allowing, you know, this drawn-out process and seeing the US play against some of the weaker teams, the JV teams, as we just said, you know, they must have some involvement in that. Yeah, I mean, this one is solely... And England are facing the same frustration, the same exhaustion, the same kind of like, why are we playing these games again, uh, Mo? But it's even worse for the Mexicos and the US who are trying to prepare slender, slender moments, really, before the November game. Um, But, God, to be handed this opponent, 170th in the world ranked Spice Boys from an island, population 112,519, who fielded a player from the English ninth tier. This one was a tough one. You know, a tough one also for the players. They want to be fated. Politics made that clear. They want to play amidst delirious send-off scenes, their last game at home. They want to savour these memories. And this was because of Nations League scheduling. I think Henry Bushnell wrote in a fine piece on Yahoo Sports, he called it the strangest, most contradictory World Cup send-off the US men's national team have ever had. And I wrote before the game in Friday's newsletter, I wrote, if we win this game heavily and press the life out of our opponent and have our fullbacks push up like American versions of Trent and Robbo and we watch Aaron Long just lock down the bat line like MLS Ruben Diash, can we all agree not to act as if we're the OU softball of men's football? And on Friday's pod, I said, no Pepe, Perfox, Sergeant or Jossie on the roster. There'll be few better chances for Ferreira. I had you right to make us all wildly overreact to their potency and clinicality. If they score a hat-trick, let's not get too wild. I think that's the big picture news of caution I'm going to pick up again when we analyse the result big picture. But at kickoff, Davo, the American who seemed most up for this quickly became clear was Greg Berhalter. Adrenaline oh. surging, unleash his first meme-hungry bounce pass inside 10 seconds. Why even, why even host the World Cup? Just give us the trophy now. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't his best bounce pass of all time. He slightly missed the man, but he certainly was a no-look. It was a real no-look. It was a, he was sending a sign. He was sending a sign. He was saving his best for the stroke of halftime, but the camera then panned down for the big reveal. This is now like 20 seconds in. Our national team coach decided this was the moment to unleash his Billie Eilish Air Force One high tops with their signature swollen oversized style, five chunky midfoot straps on each one. Bold move, an orthodox move, clearly a very deliberate choice, a very deliberate piece of messaging. And I spent the first 20 minutes of a game that was a slow boil. Grenada playing an incredibly deep low block and, and their goalkeeper just looking to decapitate all comers. I wonder, what was Greg thinking as he did up each of those 10 Velcro straps pre-game? What was he trying to say, Davo, to his team? to himself, to the fan base. Yeah, I'm looking good. I like this game. I like the game. Um, 
I think he's into himself. And by the way, he's by far the first manager to be severely into himself. And as we've seen, you know, it can work. It can work. You draw attention to yourself. It takes the pressure off uh, the players. But yeah, it is. It's odd the way he expresses it. It's clearly a conscious choice. And I, I, I could say, even if you do own those sneakers, why in this moment would you want your shoes to be a talking point? We will revert to that one. But on the field, this was an experimental lineup for the United States. Cameron Carter-Vickers alongside Aaron Long. I think it's the 20th centre-back pairing of the Triple G regime. No Adams, no Pulisic. God love Blum Pulisic. The boredom of camp makes for idle hands and great hair makeovers. Yeah. Weston mm-hmm. McKinney got the start, understandably rusty, still coming back from injury. And the rest of the players seem to take their cues from him. Robinson, Jordan Morris all off a step as Jesus Ferreira fired away on sight. And the US had so much room to create and slip in their striker. God bless Ferreira. He had shot after shot in that first 40 minutes. Taylor Twelman three or four times talked about what Greg likes about Jesus. And to be clear, Greg sits with the commentators at ESPN in the afternoon. It's a tradition that the US do. They have their manager go and sit with the commentators for about 20 minutes and give them a briefing so they get an inside track on on what's on his mind. So Taylor will have heard this direct from Greg himself about Ferreira's mobility and Ferreira's link-up play. That's why he was getting the start. And for most of the first half, Ferreira looked like the XG god. But the good news... The US were looking like a Premier League team for much of that first half. The bad news, that Premier League team was Everton. It was <laughs> so slumber-filled the first half, lacking urgency, lacking really an idea of what they wanted to do, really absent of intensity. There was a moment when Greg did a totally gratuitous behind-the-back pass after the ball went out, and it was to a rather shot Grenadian player who was wholly not prepared for it. And the crowd <laughs> broke out their slumber, went crazy, and GFOP outwon the lot FC. I think he captured it, Davo. He tweeted, our head coach, he thinks he's an Instagram influencer. Yeah, I mean, look, as I said, he's he puts the attention on himself. This, this is deliberate. It's also, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not like this in real life and this is what he's decided to do. I think this is what he's like in real life. And then he's decided and he's succeeded in management because this is how he is. And um, I wonder what his players think about it sometimes. I wonder how they um, how they think of it all, whether they think, oh my God, our manager is so cool. I doubt it, but they probably quite like that it deflects a lot of the attention. But from that moment on, Every time the camera cut to Triple G, I just expected him to like be coincidentally in the midst of like the ice bucket challenge, or or or, or like the camera would then cut back to him and he'd be like eating a Tide pod or two, just ramming, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I mean, doing a TikTok dance yeah, of some kind. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's it. He's the first D'Amelio U.S. Men's National Team coach. <laughs> yeah, well, it's for the modern age. GFOP Cell on Insta told us Greg is the Mike Dean of national coaches. Bite your arm off to have Mike Dean as our national team coach. But back to the football, 43rd minute, a goal. And not just a goal, David, but one from a US number nine for just the second time in open play in the last 40 matches. Delirious. Yeah, bit of slop in the box. Ferreira gets on the end of it. Fine finish, to be fair, but 1-0. 
relief. Uh, respect to Ariola for creating uh, the mayhem that led to it. For a really exactly that a relief more than a joy. Um, and into the second half, Weston McKinney went off Godspeed in his fight for match fitness. Tillman came on with his engine and zero chill. The US tempo just raised totally at Peter Serginio Co. Uh, tweeted us, Luca de la Torre suddenly looks like David Silva in his prime. And he most certainly did. Driving forward at will, propelling Ferreira, who just went off. He got his second. Um, Ariola slipping him through and a 30-minute hat-trick moments afterwards. Fine, fine finish from a set-piece kind of goal we actually need to see more of against a defence that doesn't just watch and go patsy on us. But Ariola got his goal, and when he scored, I think that was the moment every US player realised that they could and should get a goal in that one, including Matt Turner. Ferreira ended up with four goals. Could have been, honestly, six or seven, right? What did you make of it, Davo? Is Jesus Ferreira essentially like Bo Cruz in Hustle, the offspring <laughs> of Scotty Pippin and the Wolf? Uh yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. This is like watching England games against San Marino. There is really nothing to discover in these games whatsoever. So you end up discovering what you want to discover. It ends up, you know, validating the beliefs you had going into the game. And I'm sure that there are going to be Jesus Ferreira fans, including the manager, who are going to say, this is it. See, you put him there. You put him in the right role, surround him with the right players. And there he is. He'll knock in four. And the opposition will be discounted. But... I don't think this game told us anything about anyone other than Grenada, really, and where their standard is. Yeah, we'll save that for our other podcast today in Spice, <laughs> Spice Boys. Boys. <laughs> Spice, it's the Spice Boys world and you're just living yeah. in it. But it tells us about something else too, Dave. It tells us about ourselves as American fans and just our impulse to dream to crown, to hail almost immediately. Because I do agree with you. And I think, you know, again, that conversation earlier about there's the rational football fandom in all of us and there's the emotional football fan in all of us. The emotional football fan always, always, always takes that upper hand. And there is a faction of US fans who have spent the weekend putting Ferreira's four goals to Titanic music. You know, US soccer themselves tw- you know, put out tweets, Ferreira and... I just urge a hint of of caution. There's that there's that old that old cliche. Those who don't know history are doomed to Ricardo Pepe it. And there is a scenario where Ferreira's a real deal. He really is the prince who was promised. The, the gentleman we've been yearning for as we shuffle through uh, the other options and discard them. You, know, you could say he's a player who just needed to score a bundle against a bad opponent and then the confidence will flow and there'll be no stopping him. We'll look back at this game. Do you remember the Grenada game? The one where he really lit the fuse. He's just gone off. Or he could be a gent who needs 10 chances to bury one goal against a good opponent. And we just don't know, do we, David? No, and I think the one thing we do know about football and looking at history is there is no... There are, well, very, very few straight lines of progress in football. Um, and, you know, the the way that players develop on the international stage and how they become consistent goal scorers, consistent performers, it's a, it's a different thing altogether. Look, I think he's got some good qualities. And, you know, we'll say it till we're blue in the face. The standard of international football is not 
meaning when you play for your country versus other countries, it's not as high as the Champions League. It's not as high as the domestic leagues of most countries um, in Europe. But it is really uh, tough to see how this performance against Grenada really, really tells us anything about the status of Jesus Ferreira on the world stage and where he really, you know, matches up against some of the best strikers in the world. I mean, what's fascinating is how Greg, who does watch him in training uh, over the past week or so, has given him a long leash to show that in this moment, you know, he's the stat pack king against Grenada. And, you know, I watch him and I think the way he plays and creates is remarkable and a a strength, the way he misses chances. To me, if I was Hercules Gomez or Edson Buddle, I'd still believe there's a chance of me getting a turn to audition for this US men's national team cycle. Rog, you believe that you've got a chance of auditioning in this this World Cup cycle? I'll just say, I left myself out (laughs) intentionally. I'm I'm a clinical finisher. Uh, with both feet, but I'm also a humble warrior. But, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> in this one, he grabbed the headlines, the spotlight. Um, but this four-goal performance should not be a straight line into the starting spot against Wales. We should enjoy the journey. We should enjoy the good vibes. But we should also know at the same time, this is just empty calories. Like when I go heavy on the Harvest Snaps, Green Pea Snacks. Jesus Ferreira might be our next number nine. I hope he is. He might not be. But we've got to resist the urge to coronate based on this opponent. And if we can't resist, we need to ask ourselves, honestly, why are we so desperate to engage in repeated magical thinking when our track record of overnight crowned princes who turned out to disappoint us is a little spotty and be self-aware, bloody self-aware in our wonder. Big picture. The one big takeaway was we should only play Grenada in international matches from now on, a.k.a. This was a good result in a game we were expected to win, right, David? Yeah, it's what you want to do. This is like Genk for Chelsea in the Champions League group yeah. stage. Yeah, it, it is. But, you know, we've seen plenty of, you know, international teams end up with, you know, unconvincing wins or, you know, even draws against the Minnows, the San Marinos, the Liechtensteins, the Faroe Islands. And so you go out there, you do what you're meant to. I would say 5-0 is pretty much what you would expect. Very tough to beat a team by more than five goals um, took them a while to get there first but you know they did exactly what they needed to do and believe me if they hadn't have done this we'd be talking about it and you know they delivered on to El Salvador on Tuesday night I hope we see more starters on the field I hope we gain more of a sense of you know had some of the uncertainty around this team removed more of a sense of who the number one goalkeeper is the centre-back pairing of choice the midfield depth chart and then keep auditioning up top for the striker, I imagine we'll see Hadji Wright uh, get a run out on Tuesday. But if I was a betting man, I'd honestly imagine none of this current crop of auditionees will be the gent. I think with all of that attacking talent, we're trying to squeeze on the flanks and into the midfield. It's easy to see right before the World Cup, one of them being jammed in there. And Godspeed to all the gents. Roll on Tuesday night. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett refrigerator, Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. Always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress, known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse, Wrexham AFC's home. They support it. They support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar, essentially 
the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products, something for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee. And be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. In UEFA Nations League action, Rog, England nil, Italy nil, a rematch of last summer's Euro 2020 final played behind closed doors at Molyneux as punishment for the chaos and security issues that surrounded the aforementioned match at Wembley. Gareth Southgate trotted out an experimentally 11 in this one. They never really seemed to click, Rog, with Mason Mount thundering one off the bar, Raz spurning a tasty Reese James ball. And so England remained winless in their last three after that loss to Hungary and a draw with Germany earlier this month. England's World Cup auditions grind on behind closed doors in Bolognese, part of England's punishment for the manic scenes of disorder at Wembley before the Euro 2020 final last year. Crowd scenes, Southgate is rightly lamented as an embarrassment. This game against an experimental Italy, absent so many of the classic names, was a slog on the eye, shattered players, shattered minds. Kevin De Bruyne was the gentleman who's articulated just how stupid these fixtures feel from an athlete's perspective when he said, the Nations League is not important. We have to play these games, but it feels like a campaign of friendly games, just glorified friendlies after a long and tough season. I'm not looking forward to it. Something Southgate actually echoed, credit him. He said, we're still paying the price of COVID, having three games in an international window, four games now in the Nations League due to the timing of the World Cup, because we lose the October camp, everything's condensed. Big picture, Davo. Let's be honest, on the field, no one really seems to care. These are games, aren't they? Competed by exhausted athletes, aching for a vacation after the pandemic forced them to run through back-to-back seasons. Yeah, I mean, look, even the British tabloids don't seem to be able to summon the energy to abuse the England players or the England manager, which, you know, they do do after, you know, after this run of results that they've been in anything meaningful, they would have been trotting out the worst headlines of all time. Uh, This whole group, by the way, it's not just England. I mean, you know, Germany, Italy, Hungary, they're all beating each other up. It's still very close, but it just doesn't really matter. Um, And tough to read a lot into this game. Yeah, it felt a bit like an empty charade filled with broken play of men going through the motions. The mission in this one was for England to show they could create clear-cut chances. Apart from Harry Kane penalties, like the one he gleaned uh, against Germany to grab a draw. But they failed pretty miserably, creating little with Tammy Abraham. God love him, charging around maniacally but fruitlessly up top, Mason Mount banging opportunities off the crossbar. And when the impressive Reese James did create a clear-cut chance, it fell to Raheem Sterling, whose finish was set on being Liverpool hero Raz Levels. His whiff setting off an English side that was just audible all around the nation. Yeah, I think Reese James... You rightly point out, I think it was one of his best performances in the England shirt. thought Aaron Ramsdale uh, played very well and 
certainly, especially after Jordan Pickford's, you know, exhausting season, very good time for Aaron Ramsdale to sort of, you know, step up and say, I'm going to be the official number two. Um, other than that, Declan Rice, I thought, looked solid. Other than that, and Jack Grealish, I thought, was lively, uh, playing close to home in the uh, Black Country. Uh but yeah, we didn't learn a lot from this game. No goals from open play in three straight Nations League games. Southgate rude after the match that England are too reliant on Harry Kane for goals. His words, which is both true and terrifying that England are just one injury away from becoming utterly spike guns. All that depth, David, that we celebrated in the Euros, a run of wonder it just seems to have evaporated. Emil Smith-Rose plummeting down the depth chart. Marcus Rashford as close to the squad as Matthew Hoppy is to the American one. Harvey Bonds nowhere. Mason Greenwood out of football. Jesse Lingard. Callum Hudson, a doy. Switching to Ghana. It feels, Dave, the noise around England right now. Even in Southgate's words, he said, it's, quote, extremely loud, churning dissent and concern about negative tactics, lack of an idea of football, the absence of creativity, leadership, and above all goals in this team. What are we seeing other than, this is what I don't understand, the same conservative tactics that got England all the way to the last semi-final of the World Cup than the final of the Euros. A World Cup which was propelled by defensive vigour, smart throwing routines, and set-piece magic. Well, look, he is experimenting with a back four as opposed to the back three. So he is releasing, you know, one other place for a, uh, you know, for an attacking midfielder um, in the squad. It doesn't seem to be working very well at either end of the pitch. Uh, and I imagine, you know, other than against Iran, I imagine that uh, England will set up in a back three um, with two holding midfielders and they'll play that defensive form of football and probably rely on. Harry Kane. I think what was striking this game, you said Tammy Abraham running around aimlessly. He just got no service. You know, nobody put the ball into the box. And it's because Harry Kane creates so many of his own opportunities. He's a very unique striker. There aren't, you know, by definition, there aren't many Harry Kane-like footballers. Not only in England, there aren't many Harry Kane-like footballers anywhere in the world. Where are all the great number nines going into this tournament? Harry Kane for England is like a quarterback that can throw his own passes. Yeah, pretty much. And catch them to himself. He's essentially he's essentially English Justin Fields, or how I imagine Justin Fields is going to have to be if he's going to have any impact in the NFL. But I do feel like the noise around this England team is like a natural outgrowth for me of Southgate being around for so long and a naturally long time in international football. Yeah. It's hard, hard to maintain control and respect through through two cycles anywhere, Davo. But England, where whenever you are afforded respect by the entire nation, inevitably, you know, Gareth was held as the last sensible man left on the island last summer. Inevitably, with that respect, you know you are going to be Pretty oh. quickly brought down to size, <laughs> cut down, ridiculed and made human. English statute demands it, right? Statute and precedent. It's, uh, yeah, he's done for. Um, and I think anything less than what a World Cup, you know, I think even a quarterfinal uh, performance will be disappointing for the English media, for the people that surround this team. So, yeah, I think it's, it's in a very hard cycle. And England do lack, um, look, they're still a very good international team. There is this, you know, this idea, and I read this a lot of, oh, England are crap, we're going to take them, we're going to kill them. You know, England are good. If the US managed to beat England, that'll be a really, really good scalp. That's not beating a weak opponent. That's beating somebody who's very difficult to beat. Um, 
and they're still a very, very good international team. But <laughs> there's very little excitement around the players and still something that's befallen this England team for a very long time. The players who we see sparkling in the Premier League very rarely, other than Harry Kane and Raz, very rarely do it for England. Yeah, God, you've just hit upon something that has actually become in this fairly stupor-filled moment of watching England. One of my favourite parts of actually experiencing England games is watching the games through the eyes of the US fan base who are analysing every dead-legged England and Wales game, Wales too, with an eye on those World Cup matchups. And, you know, I don't like to exaggerate. I don't like to be hyperbolic. I try and be the voice of caution. But... After witnessing the US blow five past Grenada Friday night and then watching England struggle to break down Italy, I think we can all agree we've got nothing to fear, right, Dave? Yeah, that's exactly the point I was trying to make. God, you know, one more note on the England thing, because this actually impacts the United States too. It impacts every single World Cup squad. There's part of the frustration, I do think, with England in particular, is this is just such an unnatural World Cup cycle because the tournament has been lifted until November, something that we we almost have just become reconciled to, is it, is it almost as if it's the new normal. But let's remember, the whole footballing calendar has been perverted so that FIFA could feast on Qatar's corruption payments. Mm. So there's a, an extra five months for every nation to agonise over fringe squad selection and whether Jack Grealish is a waster of a gent um, or according to Gareth, who says he's a joy when he has the football at his feet. And that extra five months, it's almost that it's just extra five months just to ratchet up the anxiety around every single World Cup. Normally, the season ends and we're right into the World Cup. But instead, we've got this five month slow boiling agony of just analysing every single footballer, every single moment, every single transfer, every single player's form. It's interesting that the players who do seem to be performing best in this window are the players who haven't played full seasons of football and you know I think the one thing that I think we would you know the caution against is the idea of wanting your players to start every single week from mid-August until you know the end of October beginning of November it's something you don't really want for your team you want them to get a little bit of rest before they go off to Qatar. England play Hungary again at Wolves on Tuesday and nation aches for a Bowen or a Saka to step up and give us a highlight clip. Is that too much to ask for? They've only got one more camp before they depart for Qatar on the 15th of November. They play Italy away and Germany home in the Nations League on September 23rd, 26. The Premier League will pause after the fixtures on the weekend of November 12th and 13th. And an interesting detail leaking out of the Premier League schedulers, um, which is uh, going to be announced on Thursday, Thursday morning. Uh, the, the English national team asked the Premier League and it's believed to have been accepted that there will be no big six clashes in the six weeks running up to those November 12th and 13th break. So it's going to mm. be a fascinating Odd, front-loaded, back-loaded Premier League title race. And God, we've got FIFA to thank for that. But Godspeed. OK, Rog, all of this international football taking place amid the maelstrom of the transfer window. There are whispers of yet another American keeper being eyed by a certain Premier League club who play in blue. Yep, the summer transfer window, it doesn't open. It trademark cracks open. <laughs> and yes, we'll talk about Gagas Lanina in a moment the American wonderkin. Uh, but the big headlines first. Erling Haaland 
been made official at Manchester City this morning with a really endearing video flicking between childhood photos of Tiny Erling wearing his dad's City kit with the man machine he's grown into today. By the way, 21 goals in 20 international games for him. God help us all. Liverpool have agreed to sign Uruguayan raging bull Darwin Nunes from Benfica for a club record fee of around 100 million. That post Sadio Mane rebuild continues in remarkable ways. What a flying dagger that human being is. Truly incredible. And I say this with great respect to give you a gauge of Darwin Nunez's ability when I call him the poor man's Andros Townsend. United <laughs> trying to preach Frankie de Jong from Barcelona, a move which is feeling more and more inevitable with every tabloid headline. Real Madrid have signed off. Man, half machine. Or a Leon Chouamani from Monaco. And after the damp squib of Paul Pogba's return to United, let's see how his return to Juventus goes. Arsenal mm. looking to snare the tasty Tielemans and Gabriel Jesus. Spurs linked pretty well everybody, including Rich yeah. Arlison, who I can't imagine is going to enjoy being on a bench anywhere. But also Jed Spencer, who's a young buccaneer on loan, starring for Nottingham Forest last season. Um, Americans all surrounded by rumour, Western to Spurs, Tyler Adams to Leeds, Serginio Dest to somewhere, and Davo Polisic linked to Liverpool. The possibility of a fresh start, a rumour that will not go away. What do you make of it all? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, the, the Polisic situation. Um, one imagines that there is going to be a meeting at some point between him and the uh, new American owners or the new American owners management team. There's going to be something going on. Um, I would be surprised if if they let him go, but you never know. If the player really wants out, if the player really believes that he can go to Liverpool with all of that competition and and start and play more football, then so be it. But possession in football is nine-tenths of the law. It is very, very tough, as we see all the time, very tough for players to manoeuvre themselves out. The team have got to want to let him go, and I don't think there's been a single indication out of Chelsea that they don't want the player. Talking about Chelsea wanting American players, the biggest and most endearing news, the top-tier battle for Gabriel Slonina's signature, that 18-year-old goalkeeper who's already been the subject of an international tug-of-war with Poland and the United States grappling for his affections, a battle which ended with him declaring quite beautifully that his heart, quote, is American. And then to have Real Madrid and Chelsea fight for your signature, Davo, at the age of 18, this is goal movie franchise stuff for the kid from Addison, Illinois, who signed for the Chicago Fire, age 14, becoming the youngest player to go pro in our domestic league since Freddie Adu made his pro debut age 16. Six foot four now, he looks like a true goalkeeping package. Scouting reports talk about him as physically dominant, but as good with his feet, his pass completion rate in every English newspaper, over 40 yards. He completes 45.9%, which mm. would make him, I mean, I think that's higher than any Everton football player over five yards. <laughs> um, you know, his head is also totally screwed on despite a few high profile errors, glitches one would expect from a kid on a learning curve is utterly excellent, truly confident human being. And while American outfield players still have a stigma around them, our goalies, Dave, a proper pedigree. Like, like American goalkeepers are like how we look to the Japanese to provide sushi chefs or to the English to provide the best pie makers. Goalkeeping really is our niche, right, Dave? Yeah, you look at any highlight reel or game footage of, uh, of the young keeper and you just think, wow, phew, I want some of that. 
I'll be delighted to see him at Chelsea. A fee of approximately $10 million has been fluted by Fab Romano. Our friend Tom Bogut, Tommy Scoops, has suggested there will be a loan back clause for up to 18 months. Lay that man down like a fine wine, Chelsea Football Club. And I was looking at the biggest transfers out of MLS. And if that fee, $10 million, is correct, he'll fit in at around Brian Reynolds, Josie Altador, Brendan Aronson territory. Some great company there. Some cautionary tales too, but it's incredible to watch one of our own at this young age to be so coveted by two global powerhouses. And I can only imagine what he and his family are experiencing in this decision-making process. Godspeed to them all. Rog, before I ask for a toast, we should remind all GFOPs that we're going to do it live tomorrow night after the US Men's National Team game in the wee small hours. Join us on Spotify Live around midnight And another mention for a podcast dropping tomorrow, your extended conversation with Manchester hip-hop star and massive United fan H, presented by the GFOPs at Camarena. I love taping with H, and this is the full and cut conversation with that swaggering Manchester up-and-comer where we talk not just about football and his deep, deep love and sorrow and hopes and dreams for Manchester United, but also about his hometown's place in the world's musical culture. It is a magical conversation. I actually enjoyed it hugely, and it's not to be missed. Okay, with that, Roger, can we get a toast to bring us home? I want to raise my Jägermeister, this shot of human emotion in a glass, to the 12th anniversary last Saturday of a goal that I found really deeply profound and emotional in the moment. And then reliving it, looking at it over and over on social media, I found it just as wonderful now. Sifiwe Shabalaba's thunder of wonder for Mm. South Africa against Mexico in the opening match of the 2010 World Cup, a game in which the world thought South Africa would be humiliated on the field as hosts. And instead, to Shabalaba charged forward, jinked in and out, and then unleashed a flamethrower from his foot that Peter Drury bellowed. Goal! Baffana, Baffana! Goal for South Africa! Goal for all of Africa! And it was an incredibly poignant moment this son of Soweto delivering glory for a nation announcing itself to the world and from a purely American perspective Men in Blazers had just started Mm. and I watched that goal in a South African bar in Brooklyn that was absolutely packed to the gills it was a magical moment for the world yes but it was really a moment personally when I realised just by the reaction in that bar as the beers were tossed to the ceiling and then running out into the street, just the roar that could be heard from apartment buildings all up and down the block. But football, the game I loved, was poised to take off big time in America, the nation I loved. And I raised my shot to Shabalaba, the poetry of Peter Drury, to football folklore and the incredible growth of the game in this nation, all of which I'll never take for granted. And the birth of Men in Blazers. I'll never forget that South African woman next to us in that bar in tears watching this happen in our home nation. Uh, Okay, Rog, you can follow us on Twitter at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram at Men in Blazers, at Embassy Davis, on Facebook with the Men in Blazers, on Twitch, well, twitch.tv forward slash Men in Blazers is our channel. We're on YouTube where you can see a video version of this very podcast. Really, GFOBs, we're putting so much content on YouTube right now. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to make sure you're not missing any of it. We're also on Snapchat to search Men in Blazers. Visit our website at meninblazers.com and you can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendorpunk Rog. War pig! Was that a Rabona? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria! 
Balls loose. To Tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fight in America. Love you, Dave. Out. Love you, Rog. Oh, congratulations, John Johnson, you incredible human being. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking, what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami? There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.